Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. This is remind them to subject uh, or become subordinate, in a sense, to leadership. And this is interesting, right? Um, And so this is something that's also said in Romans chapter 13, right? Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror of good works, but to evil do you want... Uh, to be unafraid of the authority, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is a minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on them who practice evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Uh, For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, all that is due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So this is something Paul's talked about before. And it's dealing with those who are put in authority. Now, obviously, we'd be foolish to think that those all who are in authority are good. In fact, it kind of seems like maybe... A lot of them aren't. Yet, God uses them often for a good purpose, right? Even if you think it's done in evil, a lot of times you'd see it in the children of Israel. They'd, they'd raise up for themselves a leader and they go, this guy's the guy. We love him. He's going to be great. And then he's just absolutely wretched, you know? And what ends up happening, it, it, the, what they think will be good ends up coming down on them and it becomes much, much worse. And their response is, God, save us. We repent. Help. Right? And so they're used often for good and often for good in the other way. Right? Where it opens up our eyes to go, man, I do not trust in riches. Man, I do not trust in, in this government alone. But there's a part to this where if it is in Without inside of your conscience, we must obey the laws of the land. Why? You may say, why? Right? So that we are ready or prepared for every good work. Right? That's why. That we are prepared for every good work. That everything that we do is, is for the, the world to see. That there's a preparation in our hearts that the way we live matters. So it's on mission on the way that we live. Now, uh, we see also in the Bible, there's times where we do not obey when it's up against the things of God, right? So like Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, very clear examples of guys who said, absolutely not, we will not bow to that. Absolutely not, we will not stop worshiping our God. Absolutely not. And that's, there are clear-cut examples of that. We've, it's been an interesting season the last three years, hasn't it? Figuring out the balances of all of that. Where, where, what exactly is it? How far do we go here? How far do we go here? And it seemingly was a lot of people had different ideas about that, right? Many. You can make a lot of YouTube videos on this kind of stuff, right? 
And so uh, at the end of the day, though, I think what's, what helps us is to recognize that the reason we do it is not because they deserve it and they're so great and so wonderful. The reason that we do it is that we are showing that we trust God even over that. Even over, like, God, you're above all of it. You're greater than all of it. And the best schemes, Satan's very best he could possibly do was sealing his own death threat or his own death note by crucifying Jesus on the cross. <laughs> so God is above it all. And so we recognize that by not freaking out about every little thing. Is there darkness? Oh my gosh, yes. But look at his, your history books. Full of darkness. That's what's so interesting about humanity. We have the greatest capacity for beauty and, and, and to build beautiful things and to do incredibly wonderful things and to do absolutely horrific things. That's, that's God's giving us free will, how we live. And so there's like a, an element of that that we see. And I, I heard it said about the city, like the city is, is like the place where you see the greatest. It's, it's the place where you see humanity at its best in a sense, or like most clearly you could see the great things that man can create and the worst things that man can create. But here it is. This is us. This is where we're at. It's like a microcosm of every single one of us. And so we, the way we live matters, right? And that's why he says that, that you be to obey, to be ready for every good work. And the ready means prepared, that you're prepared for every good work. So you know what I think of when I think of that is that we're supposed to be looking out for every opportunity for good works. This changes our, mind, our mentality from being a victim to a servant. Doesn't that, doesn't that matter a lot? Think about Jesus. Do you think he's like, yeah, man, now I've got to wash everyone's feet. Like, this is not cool, man. You know, like I was going to, I was planning on going over there, but now this lady needs to be healed. <sighs> Stressed out. Yeah, fine. I guess I'll do it. I'm always doing it. That's a victim way of thinking, right? But a servant says, no, you're not taking my rights. I'm giving you my rights. I'm giving you my, my uh, not, not to say we give up our, all of our rights. I don't believe that. I'm saying, but servanthood is to say, I belong to the king. And so I trusting in him, not you, right? There's a scene in Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, right, where, where uh, one of the, uh, one of the, I think it was an, I think it was the, one of the beavers, bows and, and the witch thinks it's for her and it's for actually for the, what, the, the lineage, the, the child, you know, that was coming through, the son of Adam. And it's like there's this thing where like you, you say you're the queen, you're not the queen. The king is Aslan. He's coming back. And she can't handle hearing that, you know. And so it's like something beyond you. We look beyond you. And so I'm not, I'm not scared of what you do to me or what you can say to me, Right? Because I'm looking beyond that as a servant of the Most High. I don't serve you, I serve him, which means I serve you too. So it's important to understand that, differentiate that. But not to look at ourselves as, in a sense, in a place of victims. We're not victims. We're servants of the Most High God who wins. He wins. He will, he will prevail. And so, yes, are there evils in the world? Yeah, absolutely. Are there, is there corruption? Absolutely, right? And so we're to live as, as much as, as 
possible as peaceably with the world. We're trying to be as peaceable as possible and honoring as we can possibly be, knowing as soon as it crosses the line, we are absolutely not going with it, right? But I think a lot of times we think the line is way further over here than it is. But what helps is having the right mentality. Think about how you're attacking this. We're not doing this from a, oh no, oh no. It's like, no, I am choosing to actively be a servant. And then you look like Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He looked like a servant because he was a servant. So what do you think his followers are supposed to look like? What are the little Christs supposed to look like, right? Followers of Christ. What are we supposed to look like, you know? Like him. Son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve. If you have that mentality, it's everything, right? And it's actually so joyful, choosing to serve when you don't have to. But if you feel like someone's taking it from you, well, then of course you're going to be offended. How dare you? You know, No, I'm giving this up for you. That's um, a lot of that's like parenthood, right? It's like selfless. And it's so hard to be selfless, isn't it? He's like, I, and it's like, I don't want to do that right now, but okay. <laughs> Thankfully, you're cute because it makes it a little easier. So then how does this play out? What does this look like to be prepared for every good work? To speak evil of no one. This is a life on, on mission. This is living with a purpose. Speak evil of no one. Um, this is uh, basically not to revile. Peace, to be peaceable. If you have a King James Version, it says not brawlers or no brawlers. That's pretty interesting, right? Uh, and the actual word for that is uh, a machos, which is a is like negative machos, not to say being tough is bad, but like that was an issue in, in like Crete was that these guys were all a bunch of bruisers and violent all the time, right? So it was a real issue that was going on there. So a machos, yeah, a is the negative sense, right? So like theos, God, atheist, no God, right? Uh, gnosis is to know. Uh, so you have agnostic, to not know, which is like less of a flex when you actually know that, right? It's like, I just don't know. Okay, cool. Um, so, so they were to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable. Um, I think the idea I like about the, the peaceable or the, the word not brawlers, it's, it's kind of reminds me of, Choosing to bring peace. Um, meekness is controlled power. I think if you're just weak, you're weak. But I think there's a part to it where, where you are able to restrain uh, your abilities. You're able to restrain what your capabilities, and that's meekness. Power under control. Um, where you're not like just a live wire and losing it on everyone. We know people like that. We all know people like that. Maybe we were people like that. But that's not who we're supposed to be. That's not living on mission or with purpose, right? Gentle is uh, to be kind, demonstrating or showing all humility to all men. This is the idea we're demonstrating humility in the way that we live. This is our witness. This is such a great witness and it strengthens the words that we say. So that's the point. It's like we are demonstrating how we live that we know Jesus, this, so this is, you want to be a really effective witness? Become a servant like this. 
lay down the rights you think you are owed for the, the mantle of being a servant. Not because they've been taken. Jesus is like, I, you're not taking my life. I'm giving it. I gave my own life for you. You didn't take it from me. Let's just be really clear about that. And so we're in the same position. We go, no, you didn't take it. I gave it to you. I gave you, I'm giving you this, right? And so we look like Christ. It's an example for the world. Uh, verse three, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So we got to remember the grace of God. Like this, and this helps keep us moving with a purpose, on mission. We remember that we were like this. This was us. We also were foolish. Maybe we, it's important to remember we were probably worse than we even remember we were. Like it's, time has a way of like kind of smoothing over the edges. Where you're like, oh, that was actually, what a beautiful thing. And then you like, you know, look back and, or you see a home video or something. And you're like, that wasn't as good as I thought. That wasn't as big as I thought. That wasn't as this as I thought, you know, whatever. I wasn't as good as I thought, <laughs> you know. Watched, I watched the old football highlight video, and it's like there's some good highlights, but, like, you thought you looked like, you know, you were on, you know, in the NFL when, you, you know, when you were playing, and you're watching it, and you're going, like, I thought we were faster than that. And it's, it's just, but that's normal. Like, I was watching the USC game last night, and they had the modern-day St. John Bosco, top, two of the top two teams in the, in, the, in the state and close probably in the country. And you watch them, and you go, those are high school kids. Those are not college players. And you watch the college players, and then you see the NFL, and you go, oh, my goodness, right? So there's like a, a realization of what we really are, what we really were, and that's really important to understand. And, and remember, that's, God's grace, we are so in need of it. So we also, you, for we ourselves, and he's not just saying you, we, all of us, were once foolish. And the word for foolish is literally unintelligent. Bummer, right? Deal with it. <laughs> Disobedient or rebellious and deceived. You were led astray. You, you were tricked. No one likes to feel like they've been tricked. That's why it's like, almost like a magic trick is like insulting. You know, like, why did you do that to me? <laughs> like an illusion. It's like you could pull a quarter out of your ear. What? Why? Where did that come from? Don't touch my ear, you know. It was never in your ear, man, you know. <laughs> but so spending our, serving our lusts, it's like animals. You were like animals serving various lusts and pleasures, just trying to get whatever you could get to please the flesh. No, no restraint at all. Living in malice and envy, uh, spending uh, our, our lives, so malice and envy, just jealousy and envious, the result of hate is hate instead of love, right? So we're spending our lives being envious and jealous about everyone else around us, then what are you going to do? You're going to hate everyone. Like that's not, that has what you don't have when you don't realize that they also have to deal with stuff you don't have to deal with. This is the opposite of being a servant. This is the, the, the constant thing we have to work through is, am I here to be served or am I here to serve? Because there's like the small God complex in us that was exactly where the fall happened in Eden that says, no, I want to be like God. I want to be like him. I want people to serve me like that. 
And so that's where unchecked power goes. It's wild how often the same story happens again and again and again. It's without checks and balances that are holding us accountable. So we got to realize we, are, we were in a really, really dark place. We were not doing well at all. And we were following the path of destruction that has been so easily and, and, and uh, carefully tread before us. But, verse 4, when the kindness of God and the God, love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The kindness and love of God. When the kindness and love of God, not by works of righteousness. So this is the idea that, remember one of the issues they were dealing with was Judaizers which would come in and say, oh, cool, you want to follow God. That's awesome. Now become Jews. So you, you have to keep on doing all the old you know, uh, laws and, and feasts and um, traditions. You have to keep up with all of that. And obviously it was self-serving because we see that. It's called dogs, the mutilators, those who are trying to make it about themselves where they're higher on the pedestal. Again, seeking to be served, not to serve. I can't, we can't overstate that enough. Like we need to know how much of us wants to be served and not to serve. I was reading a leadership book and it was talking about how a lot of people who become CEOs should never have become CEOs. Why? Because the CEOs think that it's the natural like next step and I get to hear, then I get to hear, then I get to hear, then I get to hear, and now I reap the benefits. And they said that is not what a CEO does. You know what a CEO is supposed to do? Serve the company. If you don't want to do that, do not become a CEO. If you don't want to manage the company and serve at that high level, you will be the one that will be able to do things no one else is able to do. If you choose to serve yourself, you might be able to get away with it, but you'll never accomplish great things because it's all about you. And so we think, you know, you get to that top level, now I get to chill. No. And if that's clear to the business world, if they can see that in the secular business world, how much more should we as Christians have that mindset? So there's no getting to the top. There is no top, right? It's just all of us following after God, seeking to continually follow after him. So it wasn't by anything that we've done. It was by his kindness and the love of God. We are not made righteous by our works. It's not through our works that we are made righteous. It's according to his mercy. God's mercy. And, it's, and it was set up a long time ago, right? God already had a merciful plan in store for us right at the beginning of when sin, sin entered the world. He saved us through being uh, cleansed and uh, re renewed, regenerated, and renewed by the Holy Spirit. That's what it says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ, our Savior. So we are now made new. And so this is, this is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. This is what God wants to accomplish in your life. So if you feel like you're short of this, then, then God has more to do in your life, which is, by the way, all of us. 
I, I would think, right? That he has come to wash us with regeneration. Regenerations, new life, being made new. That's the idea, born again. We've been born again unto Christ. And he washes us and he cleanses us. There's nothing like a good shower when you're super sweaty and dirty and nasty, right? Like there's nothing like it. You just like get home and you take a shower. A lot of times like after camping and you stretched it. You didn't shower for like three days or something. And you, you get in that shower and you take that shower and you, it's the soap and everything. You come out and you're just like, oh, I'm ready to sleep. <laughs> I have rest. Thank you, Lord, for a shower. That's the work that God wants to do in us. Reju this like regeneration, this, this renewing of the Holy Spirit, making what was dead alive, making what was old new. It's like the fountain of youth for your soul, right? And so the Holy Spirit seeks to do that by God's grace through his mercy as we continue to trust in him and allow him to work in our lives and, and not block off crevices of this is the no touch zone, Lord. As we allow him to do that in our lives, what ends up happening? We grow and we grow and we grow. We become more and more like him. And God starts to re, con, starts the, continues the process he's already started in us through salvation when we're justified, and now he's continuing the cleansing process of being sanctified, being set apart, being, being washed and cleansed and renewed. That, that our, our eyes are, are opened. Our vision is restored and renewed. Our, we start to dream dreams again about what God might have for our lives. When's the last time you had that? Any passion about like what God is doing in your life? It's, it's really wild. Because I was like thinking like, man, you get so stuck. It's so easy to get so stuck in the, the mundane and the boom, boom, boom. It's like, God, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my calling? It's not just to check boxes and, and just to, you know, do this and do that and, and go grocery shopping and then come home and then, you know, just kind of live a mundane whatever life. No, it's, you, you've been renewed and rejuvenated and, and made new for a real purpose. And so if that's inspiring or that's encouraging to you, take it as the Lord because he wants to remind us he's not done with us yet. Maybe you've come a long way and you've just gotten stagnant. It's so easy to do that. But God wants to take our, us from that place of stagnation and to continue the process of making us new in him. So... And what's by the Holy Spirit, who he says he poured out abundantly on us all through Jesus Christ. So there's more than enough there. We don't have to think about God in terms of like lack, like he doesn't have enough. That's the way we think about stuff. That's not the way God thinks about stuff. He's, he's not, he doesn't have lack. He's like, I could do whatever I want. Look at the sky. I just went, I went overboard on that one, you know? So that's why he uses examples like stars. It's like we're finding more and more stars out there. He's like, yeah, you're never even going to know what's really all the way out there, you know? The sands of the sea, that's insane. Like, sand gets everywhere, right? It's like, how many pieces of sand did you bring home from the beach? I don't know. Let me count. <laughs> so it's according to his mercy through the pouring out of his Holy Spirit, um, 
through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, it's by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So um, he's given us then uh, a place, not just as people who are allowed to hang out, but as heirs, as sons and daughters. So that now we're part of the purpose. Again, move with purpose. You are now part of the family. You're not on the outside. You didn't just kind of get scraps from Thanksgiving dinner. You're sitting at the table. You're with him. <laughs> and he says, you're now my kids. And we're called not just like lesser heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We are now part of that because we are one in Christ. It's his blood that cleanses us. And so that also means we're related. So when we have a dinner on December 11th, that's a family dinner. We all got the same blood, don't we? It's the blood of Christ. It's taken away the sins of the world and cleansed us and made us new. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now, he's just made it really clear that works will not result in justification. We're not justified by our works, which means we're not made right with God by our works. Look what I did, God. Look what I did. Check it out. It's like you give your child a bike, and they come back and say, here's a penny. Now we're even. You're like, no, we're not even. A bike cost $100, and you gave me a penny. And by the way, you can't give me enough. It's just impossible. It won't happen. I want you to receive it by grace. So we know it's not works for salvation, but works because of the transformation, washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Spirit. Works come out of our lives when we're on purpose, when we live with purpose, when we have a reason for doing the things we do, right? That's where the works come through because it's a natural thing. Our obedience and preparedness to be on mission is a witness and blessing to all men. Because what does he say? These are good and profitable to men. That if we live our lives with, have uh, the um, like uh, examples or witnesses that, that our lives are producing fruit, it's the, the culmination of our life. It comes out. And the, the way we live matters, right? And that's why what we believe matters. So we really, really got to know what we believe. So study that, know that, and then let that transform the way that we live. And if we really believe that we are heirs with Christ, we've been re renewed, rejuvenated for a good purpose. Now we're co-heirs with Christ. So we're on mission with what he's already doing. Then we join in as servants. Our works will glorify God. Fruit in our life, right? So our obedience and preparedness to be on mission is a witness and blessing to all men. I, I just can't help but think about Joseph. Joseph saw purpose even when things were just chaotic and crazy. He saw purpose to still live a righteous life. He saw purpose to still maintain work, good works in the sense of to do what was right in front of him. Here, Yes, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you. Yes, I'll, uh, you know, raise, I'll, do, I'll work in your house and I'll do a good job. And yes, I've been, now I've been, you know, lied about. 
and defamed and now I'm in prison because your wife lied about me. I'm still going to do what God wants me to do. So what happens to Joseph? He's now raised up as the head of the jail. He's like the one that's most trusted in the whole prison. What happens? Yeah, these guys have a dream. Ah, forget it. I'm, I'm over it. No, Joseph tells him what the dream is. He says, guys, don't forget about me. Of course they do. And then Pharaoh has a dream. Now Joseph is given the opportunity to go because he's looking at this whole thing. You could see at the end of his life, he makes it really clear that he saw man meant it for evil, but God had a plan through all of this. This is why I'm here. So then Joseph is raised up. He saves the nation of Egypt and many surrounding nations, including a lot of Israel, through his preparation for the, this famine that was coming. He's raised up to the highest rank right under Pharaoh. And then he meets his brothers, the ones who had done evil to him on purpose. And he doesn't revile evil for evil. He blesses them on purpose, on mission. He's walking with a purpose. And what ends up happening? His family is restored. He gets to see his dad again. He gets to hang out with his brothers. They're given the best of the land. God blesses him. Why? Because a man of God decided to walk with purpose. Even though he'd become a victim, he chose to see it as a servant. So everywhere that he went, he was a blessing. Everywhere he went, he brought like peace and he brought power that was from one who knew God and wisdom. He operated in the gifts this guy could see things that no one else could see. He could give things no one else could give. And it stuck, stuck out like a sore thumb. Everywhere he went, people knew there was something really different about Joseph. Why? Because God was with him. And he, did, and he refused to let become bitter and, and, and lose his point and purpose. You know what? Maybe God has something for me here in this bad place. Maybe God is going to do something different here than I thought he was going to do. Do you think he had bad days where he questioned that? Oh, I absolutely think so. I bet you he had a lot of those. But at the end of the day, he remembered he was a servant of God and he was on purpose and point and mission with the way that he lived. So our obedience matters and they bring good and profitable things to all men, Right? that our lives matter. Where we go, we bring the peace of God. We bring the kingdom of God everywhere that we go. We remember the idea of we're outposts of heaven on earth. So if you have the opportunity to be an outpost of heaven on earth at anywhere you go, you know, in a little league, in a school board meeting, <laughs> in an HOA meeting, you know, in your work, wherever it is, we are, you take it seriously as like, why am I here? What is the purpose of this? Sometimes it's, it's, it's actually makes life super fun. And I don't do it enough because I often am like, why did I blow that opportunity? Because you're just sitting there and you're like, I'm just kind of vegging out. I'm just doing whatever. And you're like, there's people around you. Talk to them. <laughs> what happens if you talk to them? What happens if God opens up a door and he gives you a word for their life? You think they're going to trip out or what? You know? And so it's like everywhere you go, you, but you have to see it as like, no, people aren't here to serve me. I'm here to serve people. I am a servant by choice. 
It's like the idea of a bond slave or a bond servant. I chose this life because I found a really good master. So I'm a bond servant of Christ. That's what Paul says. I found a really good master, so I'm like linking up with him forever. Verse 9, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject the divisive man after the first and second admonition, uh, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So this was common then, it's common now. People who love to major in the minors, and they love to dispute every little thing. It's always these little niche understandings. You know, like weird stuff. And they argue and argue and take up all of your time, right? And, and just get, it's like, what is the point of this? They take all the time, all your resources, uh, and it's to things that don't matter. That's what he's calling them foolish disputes, genealogies and contentions. You know, because they, they're going back like, oh, if you track this and you trace this and you, you put all the numbers together and you add them up and you do this and you do that and you do this and all these things and all this and that and that and that. And, and then I can't believe you're not preaching this. You're like, I don't even understand what you're saying and neither do you. So don't make me do that. Right? What, what is the same thing? It's so interesting about every book we see, every letter Paul gives, they all sound so shockingly similar. Why? Because it's the way to do it. Preach the word. Right? Raise them up. Teach them. Know what you believe. Have sound doctrine. Have your life back up to what you say you believe. It's like, oh, this is getting so... That's good news. Nothing's changing. We look around us and the world's constantly changing. They say it used to be 10 years before something would change. Even before that, it was, it was longer, right? Generational. And now it's like, it was like, then it was like 10 years. Every 10 years it would change. Think about it. Are the 50s different than the 60s? Big time, right? How about the 60s and 70s? Yes. 70s to 80s? Yeah, you're like thinking of the hairstyles and the clothes, right? Then the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s. It's like, how different was 2019 to 2022? Big difference. Especially with the whole social media, internet, things are changing at rapid speeds. It's like impossible in some ways to keep up. But what's so beautiful about the good news of the gospel is it does not change. We don't have to be thrown from one side to the other. We, we, we keep our eye out to the culture because we want to be able to address it with Christ everywhere we can and be as effective of missionaries as we can possibly be. But we are not swayed and, and our values aren't changed by the culture around us. We know who we are and what we believe. If we do. If you really do believe it. If we, I really do believe it. So he says, reject these men at like this after you've given them two warnings. Give them some warnings. Let them know, guys, this is not what it's about. Stop causing uproar. Stop causing division. Stop splitting churches over this weird stuff. He's like, okay, I, I, we had a conversation. We did the whole Matthew 18 thing. We talked. We said, okay, you know, we started with just one, then two, then, you know, then we had a council and we all talked with you and now what? Okay, it's not happening. You got to go. You're just, you're, you're going to cause more damage than good. And a lot of it's like, well, then now go and let God deal with that. And, and outside of the community that you've been kind of, you know, feeding off of, 
So he says, have nothing to do with that, right? There are going to be those who are destructive. Again, how do we know what's divisive and what's not real and what's not a big deal? Well, you should probably know what the Bible says. If, it, if you find it from uh, uh, half of this verse, half of this verse, half of this verse spanning the whole Bible, you're in trouble. But if you know the whole of Scripture and you know the recurring themes and you could see the whole picture through the narrative all the way through, then we go, man, this is, this is not aligning with any of the big themes of Scripture. This does not seem that important, and I don't even think it's right. So let's not, right? Again, we've got to be aware because we're easily deceived, right? And then he says there, you, gotta, you can't satisfy these kind of people with an answer because they're warped and they're in sin. They're deceived, right? You will not be able to satisfy them with an answer. They've condemned themselves by not willing to let it go. The verse, thir- verse 12, when I send Artemis to you and Tychicus, be diligent to come to me in Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Send Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos, I heard the joke, that was the only lawyer in, no, I, God bless our lawyer. Um, it's just a joke. Um, and Apollos on their journey with haste, that they may lack nothing. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Uh, what we have here is a list of, really, of real people that have real value. I love that. Paul's always mentioning people that are involved in his journeys. He was not rogue. He was not a lone ranger. We saw at the end of his life, he felt like he was alone. But he was constantly talking about the people there and, and trying to give his love to the people where he was sending the letter to. So uh, let our people learn, and he says this, let our people learn to maintain good works and to meet urgent needs. Paul's saying it's really important for you guys to do this. Maintain good works and meet urgent needs. When you see urgent needs, meet them. This is a, a, a huge opportunity for the church. When you see an urgent need, meet it. You show up for people in the middle of the night, it's, a, it's like, it's pretty crazy. Or you, you do something like that. It's like when you f- don't feel alone, you know? It's like, uh, it's funny. Like, uh, I had, uh, one of my neighbors and friends, he, he, he's played on a softball team, actually. Uh, and he's like, he hits me up. He's like, hey, what do you know about garage doors? And I said, not much, uh, like fixing them. I said, I know a little, very little, enough to get really hurt. Um, no, I didn't say that, but I said, he says, Mine, mine's messed up. I don't know what just happened. And I was like, okay, um, all right, I'll come over. It was also, our, uh, we were celebrating our anniversary. My wife's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was okay. It was after we had, had all the fun. And so I went over there, and I was like, I was just like, okay. I was trying to, like, run it all through my brain. I'm like, that's kind of a problem, whatever. I ended up calling my dad, who knows how to fix, like, pretty much everything. He's like, I bet you anything it's a broken spring. Here, here's, he's like, you can't, you're not going to be able to fix it. you got to get somebody to come in and whatever. And ended up being that thing. And I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't even, I couldn't even really help. We, we tried some things, lifted it up, were able to close it, get it down, all this and that for the night. And he's like, no, man, I'm just, it was just nice to have you here. And it made me think I'm not going crazy thinking of how to do it. Just thinking, like, that's exactly what it feels like when people come alongside you. You, you think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to fix that. It's like you're just with them, you know? <laughs> you're just there with them. You, you meet urgent needs. It's not always to do something. It's just you just show up. 
and you're there. And if you can do something, you do it. But otherwise, being there is a big deal, right? And I don't say that as like, it's a great example because I've missed that a lot of other times in life. But I, lo- I thought about that response. It's like, yeah, I didn't fix anything. We kind of got to the bottom of it. and ended up being a broken spring. So props to my dad who's probably watching on Instagram Live right now. But it was one of those things where you go, man, that's, that's kind of like the response. It's like, yeah, I'm just glad you were here with me. So I wasn't doing it alone. <laughs> so I didn't feel like I didn't know how to do it alone even. Okay, well, we can be, we can be foolish together then, I guess, you know? <laughs> Not, you could take a bad route on that. I don't mean it like that. But like, just like, we could be unknowing together and, and I'm, I'm there. I'll show up when you need it. That's the idea. Um, and so... God, why do we want to do this? Because God wants us to, he says, that they may not be unfruitful. So he says, maintain good works, meet urgent needs that they may not be fruitful. Being fruitful glorifies God. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you may bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us, as we abide in him, as we're growing in him, as we're being renewed daily in him, what's the response? We bear fruit, and everyone sees it. And he says, all who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Paul closes with affection to those in the faith. Again, he values people. So there's a lot of different applications we make here right? How do we live with purpose? Well, we recognize that we have purpose. And so the, so our lives matter, which is, by the way, something that kids are looking for big time. We're actually all the world's looking for purpose. What do we do? How do I find purpose? How do I find meaning? We have purpose. We know who we are, to whom we belong. We are heirs with Christ. So we get to lay our life down just like Jesus as servants, and as we do that, we are lights in the darkness. We, we interject into society. We are those kingdom outposts. We are the light. We are the, the hope. We are the truth. And we're allowing the Holy Spirit to change us and renew us day by day uh, so that we are more in tune with his purpose and more equipped to handle it and do it. But we're remembering every, everything that we're doing. We're honoring and glorifying God. This is our utmost purpose now as we're in Christ. And then we're just reaping all the benefits of being in Jesus. It's just amazing. Think about all the blessings that come from that lifestyle, from following him and, and, and living with him. And now we're heirs. We just the blessings continue to flow. And we're made new more every day. And it's all for his glory, for his kingdom, right? So that we would be fruitful, so that the world would taste and see the fruits in our lives, and they know that he is good. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.